Good morning, everyone. Just notice my shoelace is untied. Can't preach with a shoelace untied, can you? It just wouldn't be right. Well, keep your Bibles open at uh, Psalm uh, 73, please. So, Dwayne's a little bit sick, so we're just having a psalm today and uh, we'll get back to Ephesians next week. So, please keep reading Ephesians and for growth groups, we'll be looking at this psalm this week in growth groups. So, we'll send you out our uh, questions. You might not know that our growth groups go with the preaching program and so if you're in a growth group, you look at the, the passage that's been preached uh, a little bit more in depth. All right, let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll have a look at this. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who continues to speak to us. We thank you that you've not left us in the dark and as we come to this psalm this morning, we ask that you would speak, that you would change us, give us ears to hear, eyes to see the truth, that we might be for the praise of your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, there we go. There is our big question this morning. When you feel like God isn't enough, what do you do? Do you ever feel like God is not enough for you? Do you ever feel like God is just kind of ripping you off a little? He's cheating you out of the good stuff. Do you ever feel like you're missing out somehow and it's because of God? You might have been a Christian for a long time uh, but right now you're not really feeling the love. You, you've kind of might have gradually, God slipped out of the centre and he's on the side a little and uh, other things have taken his place. You might have not been a Christian just for a little while and, but you're not quite sure whether God will come through uh, for everything you need. Sometimes you feel like he's definitely not enough. Or you might not actually be a Christian yet. You might suspect there's a God, but you're just not sure. I'm just not sure whether he's going to come through for me. If I give my life to him, will I be missing out on something? When I was in high school, I felt uh, like that. I, I knew a bit about God, but... Um, I didn't really know God and uh, I'd been to church and but somehow God just didn't fill me, didn't do it for me, uh, give me what I desired. So I looked at other things to fill uh, the hole in me and one of the places I looked to was success, success in what I did, achieving some sort of greatness. So I picked a course at uni that um, I could actually get something done uh, I thought, I remember thinking, if I do really will, well at this course, then I can get the good life. I'll have money, I'll have comfort, I'll have security and I'll succeed just like everyone else. If you want a good, fulfilling life, then succeed, do really well and things just will fall into place. You'll have life to the full. If you're prosperous, if you succeed in whatever you do, then, then that's where the good life is. But the question is, does that work? Does it work? Does prosperity and succeeding in life work? Will it give us what we deeply desire in our inner beings? And the answer is, if you're honest, no, it won't. It won't. Filling your life with success, achievements, 
prosperity that they bring will give you a little bit of fun for a while, a little bit initial gratification. But it doesn't work in the end. This morning God is going to tell us just that. He's going to tell us that prosperity does not work. And he's going to tell us what does. What will give us the desires of our hearts? What will give us life to the full? And you might have already known, you might suspect, it's God himself. Nothing less than the eternal God who made heaven and earth. But that's good to know. But what happens when it feels like that's not enough? God isn't enough. The big question that God himself is going to answer this morning for us is, what can I do when it feels like God's not enough? Psalm 73. This is a psalm. The psalms obviously are songs that Old Testament Israel sang. And so basically we've got a lyric sheet. All the psalms called the Psalter, not Psalter and Pepper, but just the Psalter, um, is a bunch of songs gathered together and they sang them. So we're not going to sing this one, we're just going to look at it and see what it says. And it begins, Asaph is one of the guys who writes a lot of the psalms, it begins by stating something that we all know. Most of us already know this. God is good. To those who are pure in heart, to his faithful people, in the context there it was Israel, but in the New Testament it becomes Christians, God is good. If the Bible's right, if there is a God and he made everything, he made it all very good, we stuff it up, it's not the way it should be, we turn away from God and the result of that affects everything, but God made it good. We are not pure, but he is pure and he makes us pure and God is good to his faithful people. But the thing is, you can say it over and over again, can't you? God is good. You try it, close your eyes and say, well, don't do it now, but maybe later try it. I'll try it now. God is good, God is good. Does it work as a mantra? No, because we're not mystics, we're Christians. So what do we do? Well, First thing Asaph does is contrast what he knows with his current reality. God is good, but as for me, things are not good. They just don't look that good. I'm not feeling the love. I'm not feeling like God is good. I know it's true, but I don't feel it. Maybe that's you. You know God is good, but it's just not in your experience. It's just everyday life rolls and it just doesn't get me anymore. I don't feel like he's enough. I don't feel like God is all I need. What do I do? Three things. Three things that the psalm writer Asaph does here to answer our question. What do we do when we feel like God is not enough? First thing, sin is exposed. Secondly, the sanctuary is entered. And thirdly, Certainty is secured. Sin is exposed, sanctuary is entered and certainty is enjoyed. So here we go. First one, expose the sin. The first thing Asaph does in this psalm is to identify sin as sin. Have a look there at verse 2. Got your Bibles open at Psalm 73, verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
See, the first thing this guy does is see sin in himself. What does he see? He sees envy. I envy the prosperity of the wicked. Now, this is a guy who's trusting in God, trying to keep his heart pure, but it's not working. It's not his current reality. Why? Because he's looking at other people who don't trust God and he wants what they have. That's what envy is, isn't it? It's wanting what other people have and not being content with what you have. Envy is wanting what other people have and not being content with what you have. And that's what this guy is doing. What does he do? Have a look at verse 4. They, these guys he's looking at, have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. You see what's going on? He's seeing an ideal. He's seeing an almost perfect lifestyle. And that's what happens, doesn't it? It's an unreal picture, but that's what happens when it feels like God isn't enough. Anything else looks perfect. It looks brilliant, except for where I'm actually at at the moment. So we've got this guy looking at people who don't know God and life seems to be going well. They're prospering. They don't get sick. They don't struggle. They're always strong. But as for me, I'm about to stumble. He's about to fall for it. This is a picture of a guy. He's stepping out and there's slippery ground next to him and he's about to go there. When I was at uni, I um, led some whitewater rafting camps for Scripture Union and we'd take groups of kids down uh, to the rapids, quite large rapids, uh, down south. And uh, basically the rafts were two inner tubes uh, with a bit of tarpaulin wrapped around them. And we'd go down these huge rapids and all the South Africans amongst us are thinking, oh, that's not dangerous. And all the Aussies are thinking, ooh, that's very dangerous. So there'd be three or four experienced whitewater rafting instructors and about 20 or 30 kids in high school down these rapids. Very dangerous because I'm Aussie. But every so often the, the rapids would stop and the rocks would start and you'd have to get out and pull your, rock, your uh, raft over the rocks. And uh, here's where you, you see who knows what they're doing and who doesn't because there's rocks that are solid and clean and there's rocks that are very slippery. And you know the rule. If it's dark, or if it's green, don't step on it because that's slippery. And even if you tell the kids over and over about this, oh, there's always one who steps on the slippery ground and in they go into the water. Grazers, crying, the usual stuff. The rock is the only place where you are safe and secure. If you step on the slippery ground, it's likely that you're going to fall. And this guy is about to step on the green rocks. He's about to slip. Can you see Asaph? But he's now writing about it and he's looking back on it. And he can see, he's stepped back from it. He's seen what's happened. He's seen he was about to stumble. And he's exposed the sin in him. He's seen the things going on in his heart. And that's the first thing we've got to do. If you're going to break free from the feeling, the experience that God's not enough for you, you've got to see sin in you. You've got to see that the slippery slope is not good. It's bad. It's not indifferent. It's bad for us. 
It's a slippery slope that makes you fall over. Does that sound good? What else does he do? He not only sees sin in himself, but he also sees the attractive lifestyle of the people around him. He sees, exposes what seems to be very good as very bad. When I was younger, I, I went on a hike with scouts and uh, one of the guys one time brought on a hike a uh, suspiciously looking chocolate bar and he was giving it out to the guys and thankfully I didn't eat any of the chocolate bar because it turned out to be a laxative and that makes you go to the toilet a lot if you don't know what a laxative is. And unfortunately there's no toilets in the bush. There's just bush in the bush. And so you can imagine the guys who chowed down on the chocolate at the beginning of the three-day hike, how that went for them. It wasn't very good. Something that seemed very good was actually very bad. That's what's going on here. Asaph sees that these people who reject God, their life seemed very good but it's actually very bad. And they're wearing a few things. Did you see what they're wearing? Did you notice what they're wearing? Pride is their necklace and they clothe themselves with violence. That's their lifestyle of choice. Now, that doesn't sound very good attire, does it? Imagine if I came out of the bathroom after getting ready to go out for dinner with my wife and said, Darling, I'm wearing a few new things today. I've got a new necklace and uh, some clothes. Pride and violence. No, it wouldn't go very well, would it? It wouldn't be a great dinner out. But it gets worse because it's in their hearts, it's in their minds and it comes out of their mouths. Have a look from verse 7. Sin comes out of callous hearts. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits and they literally set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues strut through the earth. That is, they oppose God with their hearts, with their minds and with their mouths. What they think, what they feel and what they say. They claim the earth as their own, as if it's theirs and they say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? Great uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon said on this, he said, they flatter themselves with their oppressions and persecutions uh, are unobserved by heaven. If there be a God, is he not too much occupied with other matters to know what is going upon his earth? These are the people who can make you feel like God is not enough. They seem to prosper. They seem to be free from burdens and struggles. And when we take our eyes and hearts off God and put them onto people like that, it feels like God's not enough. And so we've got to do, we've got to expose sin in us and in our world. See it for what it really is. When I went through high school, a guy named Damien, I always think of Damien's parents when I read this psalm because what they did was they just spent their whole lives buying and selling houses. Not a bad thing in and of itself. So they would, they would buy a house, do it up and then sell it and move on and move on and move on. And uh, I wanted their lifestyle. It was brilliant because they'd go into a new place, do it all up, pool, pool tables, new cars. There was a reason I was this guy's mate. He had it good. So I thought. And then one day, I went over to Damien's house and he was very angry and upset because it turned out 
um, his parents had bought a new house and there wasn't room for him in it. Parents said, oh, sorry, there's not enough rooms for you. Turns out his dad was a very greedy man and didn't care about his kids. And then I realised I was envying something that wasn't good at all. It was bad. So what about you? What have you got your eyes on? What have you got your heart on? What have you got the desires of your inner being fixed on? Because if you're trying to live like life like people who prosper without God, if you're trying to live life for the deep desires of your heart that are not God and you're looking at people who don't know God and you want what they have, then God's not going to feel like he's enough for you. First thing to do is to see sin for sin, expose it in yourself and in your world. Here's two ways we can do that. First, check your heart daily. Is there envy in there? Is there pride in there? Do you want what other people have? Do you feel ripped off when you don't have what others have? Check your heart for envy and greed. Have a look deep inside there and ask God to expose it. Check your heart and also see past the prosperity of the unfaithful. People who don't know God prosper. That's life. That's the way our world works. People who don't know God have a great life. So it seems until you go to one of their funerals. People who don't know God prosper for a while. But we must see past that prosperity. Take our hearts, take our minds, take our thoughts off that lifestyle. More money, more cars, more indulgent, next property, next luxury, next toy. We must see past that prosperity and look to something greater. Because if you have your eyes and your hearts on it, then you'll never be satisfied with God. That's the first thing. See sin in yourself, in ourselves and in the world. Secondly, seek the sanctuary. After the psalm writer has seen sin for sin in himself and in his unfaithful, he's distraught. Did you see what's going on? He can't understand what's going on. Things just don't make sense. Have a look at verse 13. He says, Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. In vain I've washed my hands in innocence. Verse 16, when I tried to understand this, it was just oppressive. He just, what's going on? I just don't understand it. This doesn't make any sense. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's what you think. You see your average Joe blogs, life just rolls. No worries. Just get on with life and it's cool. It's fine. Have their Sundays down at the beach. Well, not today, down at like snuggled up in a warm fire. Why would I come out here? What a waste of time. It just doesn't make sense. They're doing very well. It might be in your heart too. I'm alright. I don't need God. I'm doing fine without Him. Damien's family seemed to be happy for a while there. It just doesn't make sense. People who don't know God seem to have all the fun until you enter the sanctuary. And then everything changes. Have a look at verse 13. 
when I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me till, until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood. Everything didn't make sense until you bring God into the picture. It's like you're looking with, uh, you know, kind of just uh, blurry vision and then God gives you glasses and you go, whoa, is that what's going on? That's how it is. It's like the penny drops and you go, oh yeah. God gives you clarity. What do you do when it seems like God isn't enough? You must enter the sanctuary. What does that mean? Well, this is a watershed moment in the psalm. It's the turning point in the whole thing. This guy, the lights go on in his heart and in his mind and he can see God is good. God is in control. God has it sorted. God can be trusted. By the end of the psalm, he's saying it's good to be near God. It's my, God is my heart and my strength and my refuge. What did he do? He brought God into the picture. Actually, for him, he entered a sanctuary. What did he enter? The sanctuary is the Old Testament. In the Old Testament is the the temple. It's where God symbolically dwells. And Asaph has entered into the presence of God Almighty and everything's changed. Spurgeon said his mind entered the eternity where God dwells. He left the things he saw for the things invisible. His heart gazed within the veil. He stood where the holy God stands and thus he shifted his point of view from apparent disorder resolved into harmony. When a student on that whitewater rafting camps, he's dragging his um, raft across the the, um, slippery rocks and there's rocks everywhere. He's got a choice. He's got to work out where is the solid rock to stand on? Am I standing on slippery ground or am I standing on rock? I need to look around. Where is the slippery stuff and where is the trustworthy stuff? Entering the sanctuary is like placing your feet on the rock and now you can see what's slippery and what's not. When everything doesn't make sense, when it feels like God isn't enough, He's not coming through, what do we do? We come to God, enter the sanctuary. Verse 17, I entered the sanctuary and then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground and cast them down to ruin. Do you see what's going on now? He sees that they are actually on the slippery ground, the same slippery ground that he was about to step on. They're actually on it and they're slippering down to destruction. Not only can he see that he was in danger of being where these people are, he was close to that, that, that place that leads to destruction, but when we take our hearts and minds off of God, put them on the things of the world, we do that too. We take a step onto the path of slippery. Do you know where that path leads? It leads to separation between you and God leads to ruin, eternal separation, but only when you put the glasses on of God can you see with God's eyes. So what about you? Can you see the slippery slope that leads to destruction? Are you stepping onto it? 
their life seemed pretty good. It seems great. People are flocking to them. They're making money. They're having fun. It's one big prosperity party, isn't it? Everyone seems to be on it. Nothing seems to be going wrong until you bring God into the picture. Until you let God's perspective give you a reality trick. And what it is is prosperity party now, destruction day later. Someone told me once it was like, woohoo now and uh-oh later. Only when you enter the sanctuary, only when you see the presence of God can you see it. So how do we do it? How do we enter the sanctuary? We don't walk into a temple, do we? There's only one way. We come to the cross. There's only one way to enter the sanctuary of God. To come to the cross. The place where Jesus dies for your sin. The curtain is ripped from top to bottom so that you can enter the most holy place through the blood of Jesus. The place where Jesus pays the price for your sin for our rebellion. The place where you see we're not only just like Asaph, we're also like those wicked people he's looking at. They love prosperity and so do I. We are like them. We question God and we need mercy. At the cross, we see that God is good. At the cross, we see that sinners who turn back to God get what they don't deserve. At the cross, we see that sin must be punished, but that someone else takes it instead of us. And at the cross, we have confidence to boldly approach God. Hebrews 10 says we have confidence to enter the most holy place through the blood, through the cross of Jesus. When everything doesn't make sense, it seems like God isn't enough, we must go to the cross. See that God is faithful. God is good to you. We must go to the cross and see the wicked like you and me are saved from stumbling to destruction. Because God is good and gives you what you don't deserve and what you cannot earn. When you come to the cross, you put your feet on the rock. Sometimes we feel like God is not enough, don't we? But the problem is not with God. We must expose the sin, enter the sanctuary. And finally, getting good at this PowerPoint thing, enjoy the certainty. Now the psalmist has exposed sin in himself and the world around him. Now he's entered the sanctuary and he's got God's view on things. Only now can he enjoy certainty of eternal life, knowing God, trusting God. His heart was grieved, it was embittered. He was a senseless brute and ignorant But now with God's perspective, he sees. Now with God's perspective, he has certainty. Have a look there at verse 23. 
He says, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will be taken to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength and my heart and my portion forever. All of a sudden, there's certainty where there was stumbling. There's hope where there was hopelessness. There's joy where there was grief. There's understanding where there was ignorance. And there's life forever in glory. When you've been pulling your raft over those rocks and there's slippery parts everywhere, you've got to make sure you're standing on the rock. If you're on slippery ground, you're going to fall into the water. But if you're on the rock, you can see all the slippery ground around you and you're secure and safe. You have a refuge. The Lord Jesus is that rock. And only in him find refuge. Only in Jesus we find the deep desires of our hearts. Only in Jesus will we find life, forgiveness. The deep desires and delights of your heart will only be found in the cross of Jesus. So what do you do when it feels like God is not enough? Expose the sin. Enter the sanctuary and enjoy the certainty. And then you can say, Those who are far from me will perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. Let me pray. Gracious Father, please forgive us for our sin, for our sin of envy and greed, for our sin of looking at those who do not know you yet prosper. Help us to come to the cross and see reality, see the truth and continue to have forgiveness of our sins. Help us to enjoy the certainty of knowing you, the maker of heaven and earth, and our Lord, our Saviour and our King. Amen.